When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just like that, hour number two is here. I'm out with Ed Withrow across the Outkick. Now we're the Monday edition reacting to the football weekend across the NFL. We've got plenty of talks, uh, discussion, takes coming up on some of the results that we saw in week 14. You can join us in that discussion right now. Chat is in the chat on YouTube. Search out Outkick, hit subscribe, and uh, you'll be able to jump in to the Outkick mix. Man, I thought I'd seen everything in our chat, but the truth in the chat describes Joe Flacco at this point in his career as a bit more of an athletic Ben Roethlisberger. I have never heard of Joe Flacco being more athletic than Ben Roethlisberger at any point in both those men's lives, <laughs> um, including right now. I I would never describe Joe Flacco I, as a more athletic Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm saying this as Ben Roethlisberger, who's probably been on his couch since he stopped playing, is still better at avoiding a yeah. sack. Than Joe Flacco, I I, I can totally disagree I would with that. Compare take. him more to like a Kerry Collins athleticism. I compare him to a guy who's a way better at it, but someone who plays quarterback in the NFL the way Hutton and I would mentally, and that is get rid of the ball within one and a half two seconds in order to not get hit. The that's how he plays the game. I think they're going to be on another quarterback soon <laughs> because pass, of injury. He passes the football way too much. Yeah, uh, for for Cleveland, he. And Tyler didn't want to hear that. Just based on just uh, the attempts and the number of injuries we're seeing at the position. Uh, we've got the full list coming up and some updates, too. Uh, the good news, just on quickly on Justin Jefferson, he's uh, he has not sustained any major issue based on that hit that he took across the middle. But the Browns have had four different quarterbacks uh, win at least one game. Win at least one game. It's a good story. First, the way first time in their franchise history. And their defense is awesome. First time since the Texans did this, I believe, 2014 or 2015. Their plan, uh, the scripted series to start the game that ended with David and Joku wide open. Wide open. That was a thing of beauty. That's a way to kickstart the offense and get Joe Flacco going. A nice win for them. And again, playing that many guys and winning the way they have has been impressive. Impressive. Shohei Otani, who's now a Los Angeles Dodger. And, well, he gets the, he gets the bag and then some, even though... He's a one-way player, at least for the first year, based on the Tommy John or close to the Tommy John surgery that he had to go through, and he won't be on the mound for Los Angeles. Chad, ultimately, he ends up with the franchise that he's always really respected, and he ends up with the franchise that the Angels didn't want to trade him to. That was the one organization that's the discussion centered around where I mean, if they're willing to give him this, they probably picked up the phone and they were offering enough and then some. It, to me, the deal, $700 million. As we dive into this, I would love to know what they offered in a trade to get him last year or last season if they're willing to give him this much because there's no doubt they would have overpaid and what the Angels turned down. I would love to know the details of. If you're the... 
California Angels, as I'll always affectionately refer to them as. And you're in Anaheim, California. And you just had Shohei Otani and Mike Trout for as long as you did. Yes. And you did not advance to the playoffs in that time with those two superstar studs. At all, though, yes. Becoming a buyer this year, the trade deadline, doing all those things. You refuse to trade to your crosstown rival. I put rival in air quotes. Your, your rival, the, the Dodgers. They're, they're not a rival. They're way better in all ways. You refuse to trade, and then he ends up going there anyway. Are you not having an existential crisis right now if you work for that organization thinking, should we be in Major League Baseball? Is this the right avenue? Or have we chosen the right profession right now? Should the should the California Angels be a pro baseball team playing at the major league level, or is this town too small for two teams? Th- that's what I'm thinking from the Angels' perspective at this point. And we know the Dodgers dominate that market from a baseball yes. perspective. So that sucks for the Angels. I, I would honestly have I, – I think of myself as somewhat self-aware. If I have any self-awareness at all in the Angels organization, I'm really hurting – right now, knowing that Otani just ended up with the Dodgers in the end and that we couldn't even get to the playoffs. The playoffs, as Jim Mora would say, with Otani and and Trout. I'm hurting a lot if I'm the Angels. From the Dodgers' perspective and from Otani, great job by them. Feels like a situation where they were not going to stop until they got him and just even bid over what some were speculating he could get to make sure they got him. And, And they got their guy. Good for them. Hutton, as a fan of baseball that wants to see the game grow and get better, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that he's going to stay on the West Coast. I'm dis- the Dodgers, hey, that's an upgrade from a franchise standpoint. There's going to be more eyeballs on him with that team. And this is not just uh, me being hurt as a Braves fan that he didn't choose to go to Atlanta. I, I long, when this all started, I was thinking maybe the Chicago Cubs, you know, maybe someone on the – I just think for baseball yeah. purposes – Otani not in the Pacific time zone would have been great for the game. For whatever reason, I had my eyes on the Cubs throughout, thinking that would be a really cool spot for him to end up. Uh, another banner organization that you know a lot of people care about, playing at Wrigley Field, that would have been neat. Again, this is just me playing PR, media, fantasy land of where I'd like to see a unicorn of a player and a generational guy end up. Instead... He ends up across town in Southern California playing for the Dodgers. Great for the Dodgers. Good for baseball overall that he goes to a more high-profile franchise and organization. Terrible for the Angels. But in the end, Hutton, not what could have been best for the game of baseball, in in my humble opinion. The news comes out, really, and it's just kind of an afterthought. It's 10 years, $700 no opt-outs. And I say an afterthought because it – they weren't allowed, the media didn't really hype it because there was no information. They weren't given anything because it was going to be held against the club if news got out. But Chad, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, this was, to me, this was kind of always the landing spot. Even whenever news was being reported about the Dodgers really coveting him and him really respecting the organization, and that's where he wanted to go. Um, and the other thing, too, I, I want to know, do, do, do we have an estimate of how many teams actually tried to get involved? Because when you think of the money and the global marketing that's involved here, it's estimated that the Angels earned, they netted between 10 and 20 million per season off of the Otani brand. 
it's estimated that the Dodgers will double that, if not go above that. 40 to 50 million just in net off of the Otani brand as they push it globally. That's 400 to 500 million if you just want to keep it on one specific number over 10 years for a $700 million player. Does he end up playing that long? We'll see. But the brand itself helps you pay for it. And if you know that, where were the other offers in this range? Because this was, by and large, this was kind of a, kind of knew exactly the details of the timeline. They wanted to get it done quickly in two to four weeks. Check. They did that. They wanted it done before the winter meetings. They get it done the weekend after. But you, everything kind of followed the same timeline. And I would love to know how many teams thought, uh, we can't afford it. But when, when you really get down to the, the bare bones of it, the marketing lane that you obtain with this helps you pay for half of the contract. Just, it, 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 just maybe, the numbers alone. Maybe. And where, he's, where, he, where he takes off from there. Well, maybe they don't need him to be a personality, but you would think that, you know, that would be part of it. Baseball not does. that he's Not that he's not a – he's a very likable guy. Right. Um, but – it's incredible to me that someone who really just wants to keep to himself, and Mike Trout's got a lot of this also, uh, did not want any hubbub surrounding his courtship You're with right. other teams and all that, that he possesses such marketing capability. He does because of the international market. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, again, massive audience for the Dodgers one Dodgers better for MLB than him with the Angels. But I was really hoping he'd get out of the Pacific time zone and, and I agree. be central time with the Cubs. I mean, I, I'm not a Yankees guy, but Otani with the Yankees and that market with that franchise would have been an enormous Boston. boom. Boston is another great one. Enormous boom for that rivalry. And really the Cubs. Red Sox, right. Yankees right. for all of Major League Baseball. What Do you think the offer goes up if he pitches next year? He doesn't get hurt? I don't know. I I think probably if he's not going through know, the Schilling surgery. Schilling would tell us it was around six hundred million is what he thought he would get. It would go down, and a lot of people were saying it would go down because of the surgery. Yeah, you're, you know, people are are reacting to the money and thinking, goodness, is anyone really worth this that plays sports? But you got to look at it though as a guy. He he's two players. He is when he gets right and healthy. He is a stud ace pitcher for your rotation, and he's one of the best sluggers in the game. So you're basically you're paying that money, and the way you justify it is we've essentially just signed two 10-year, $350 million contracts right. for the best slugger in the game and one of the best pitchers in the game. That, that's what you're telling yourself, and that's why you're and he allocating that off. much money to it. If him. you have a doubleheader and he throws in the, the first game, he's, gonna, he's going he's to gonna DH hit. for you. Yeah. He refuses to sit. So if you're, going, if you're paying a ticket to go watch Otani play, he's going to be in the game. Yep. At some point, you're going to see him at the plate minimum. Uh, and, the, you know... It's a ton of money. I also wonder that franchises, that the ball clubs not go in, Chad, because of the pending, uh, the uncertainty of the television deals. That's another thing too. With that revenue coming in, how do you produce the the the, the, the liquid asset in order to pay this money? That could also affect them, and I think that will affect a lot of the. Uh, that the the structure, the landscape of Major League Baseball moving forward. I think the, honestly, the teams that went in on this are teams that are okay with losing money, quite frankly, because that is the reality. Maybe of it. if you're going to spend ten years, seven hundred million dollars on one player, 
And you, you mentioned the uncertainty around the future television contracts, not really knowing what where all this is going to land now that regional sports networks are about to be no more. Yeah. Then you are prepared to have a loss. But that loss, ultimately, you believe, will be a gain because you're going to win more baseball games. You're going to play in the playoffs. You're going to get more marketing exposure. But you got to be prepared, and you got to have the money to, to be able to withstand some loss in that. And that's not every Major League Baseball team, as we know. Now, you can still win at a high level not being one of those billionaire owners that's okay with losing a ton of money. And we've seen that time and time again with the game. That, to me, is where it has improved is we've seen teams that don't have the wealthiest ownership that have been really smart with how they build their clubs that have had a lot of success in baseball. And I think that's helped the sport overall. It has. Uh, It's also, just to point out briefly, the four most valued franchises right now in Major League Baseball, we're all in on this at some point. Yep. Dodgers, Red Sox, Cubs, Giants. And then Atlanta's right there, somewhere around there. But the Giants were also mentioned, at, at least at the trade deadline. The Giants are now in for the next Japanese pitching stud prospect that's 25 years old. Yamamoto, I believe, is the last name. Probably butchered that. They're not looking for there East Coast viewers. There may be some more letters in that also that I missed out on. They're not but, looking for the East Coast viewers uh, in this country. They're looking no, for... No, but that's that appears to be a bidding war between the two New York teams for him. Okay with Cohen versus the Yankees, because those the Yankees had a scout at every single one of his games this summer that just moved to Japan to watch him and be around him and scout him all year, every single game. Chad, right now, Dak Prescott would be your MVP in the NFL. Odds-on favorite in Vegas based on what they've done. And what they've done is win. Dallas and San Francisco. And they win at home. If you... If you or a Cowboys fan, you want home field advantage. You're gunning for that number one spot in the NFC. They can obtain that. They were able to beat Philadelphia easily last night on Sunday night football. And they did it off of 10 days rest. San Francisco did it the week prior. They also had 10 days rest going in against the Eagles. And now it's between Dallas and San Francisco for the best team currently in the National Football League. It's San Francisco, but not by much. And Prescott is the reason why. Hutton, t- tell me if you agree or disagree. I think you have to go three deep of NFC teams before you get to the first AFC team from a roster standpoint. If I'm just rating the rosters across the NFL, okay, I am going in no uncertain order, but these are the top three. Philly, San Fran, Dallas. And then I think there's a slight drop-off, and then I'm arguing Miami, Miami. or Baltimore. Of I think roster, it's Miami, top just, to bottom. Just pure talent, not where See, I my, think they'll and, be. And Miami's the one that I think you could argue is in that mix of three. Jalen Ramsey. In the NFC. Is back now. Yes. But I, I think those are the three best teams. If I'm just looking 53-man roster, putting them up against each other, I, I, I go in order, San Fran, Philly, Dallas, but that is starting to change my opinion a little bit with these Cowboys. Yeah, and Philly's gone through a blip here where it, it, I won't say it was predictable because they're better than what they've shown recently, uh, but they went through a stretch where their schedule opened up for them to start like they did in their start last year. And they got off to, you know, the 9 and 1, 10 and 1 start, whatever it was. Now they've dropped some games. They've lost to San Francisco and Dallas, and they're staring down a, a, a 
a possibility of not having the number one seed and maybe not even winning their division. Dallas owns control of that. I'm looking, though, at what they've done recently, and it, it hasn't been pretty. Dallas, though, has won, what, 15, 16 straight games at home now? And the team that they've lost to in consecutive seasons after 12-win seasons is San Francisco in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. So while Dak could be your MVP, and I think right now he's got it, it's him and Brock Purdy, and I think so many people don't view Brock Purdy through that lens. Um, Jalen Hurts is also there, but he's not playing at that level head-to-head against the quarterback across the field from him. But that alone tells you the three talented teams that you're talking about. It's those three NFC, te- NFC teams for the race for the Most Valuable Player Award. I still, we're going to see one of the teams we just talked about with the Dolphins tonight on Monday Night Football. The only one of the four teams playing tonight that anyone would argue has the best roster in the NFL will be the Dolphins. I still cannot comprehend why you go same time for Monday Night Football and not stagger it with more of a 7 Eastern and then a West Coast later game. After that, I don't I don't like the simultaneous they, Monday Night Football They games. tried this last year and they pulled a bigger number than they did when they tried the West Coast. I hate Talk Texas Longhorns next. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up, we've got NFL Rapid Fire. We name a team and... We tell you the perception of said team. Word association. Yeah. Davey's going to throw a name out there and we're just going to start talking in in what, three sentences or less about the team? Yeah. Got that. Plus, uh, we've got two games tonight on Monday Night Football. It's difficult for two guys that have done three plus hours of content daily for a a lot of time like we have to try to keep things in two two to three sentences. We've we've done four hours before. We're going to have to. That's what I'm saying. Three plus hours. Three or three plus. So, usually... You know, keeping it under two sentences isn't our our strong suit. We'll find out if we can do it a little bit later. Yeah, we will. Uh, we don't have to do that right now, though. No, another guy who can talk and, no, and he he no does doubt. it very very well is on with us right now. From Orange Bloods is Anwar Richardson uh, joins us uh, again here on Hot Mike with Adam Withrow. Anwar, thank you for the time and hope things are well. Uh, everything's going uh, fantastic. I can't wait for this football segment that you guys have going out. Are, are you guys going like old school to like teams that are no longer in existence or just current teams? Just current teams and where they are based on results that we've seen recently. It's uh, it's it's a cluster right now, uh, especially on offense in, in, in the National Football League. It's not there yet in Austin. Um, when, the, when the college football rankings were announced, did you expect Texas to be at four? And Florida State at three, just perception. I thought Texas was going to get in. Okay. Um, I did think Texas was going to get in. I thought what, at the end of the day, two things were going to factor in for them. One was going to be the, the last two victories that they had. Um, you know, they, they've closed out the, strong, the, the season very strong. So I felt comfortable with that. And, and secondly, I just felt like the committee – was never really sold when I would hear them it had being interviewed week after week. Didn't seem like they were 100% sold 
on FSU. Uh, and I felt like, especially when I knew that the third string quarterback was going to play, even though they won, I felt like that actually Texas was going to be number three. It's actually the thing I tweeted out the night before. And I felt like Bama was going to get in at number four. Um, ironically, this is one of the few times I think I got everything right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I did think at the end of the day, uh, the the that no matter what happened with FSU, that they they just probably... For right, wrong, or indifferent, I felt like the committee would kept talking about they wanted the best games yeah. possible. And I didn't think they felt like FSU was going to be the best game. And so that Alabama win, for me, secured it for them to, to get in. And so, yeah, it wasn't a huge surprise for me at all. I feel like most of America feels this way also, Anwar. It mm-hmm. feels to me like this thing is headed for a rematch between Texas yeah. and Alabama in the national championship game. Does Longhorn Nation get that sense as well when you look at the way this thing broke out? Yeah, I, th- I definitely think there's a lot of confidence, you know, within Longhorn Nation that this this is going to be a rematch when it's all said and done. Um, you know, they played Washington last year and lost that game, but this is a really good defense that that Texas has. They've got, you know, uh, you know, a guy who's was just named the best defensive lineman uh, in the country with Tavondre Sweat. They've got Byron Murphy. So the thing that Steve Sarkeesian and his staff understood when they got here and they got this job was that they had to build the interior. Like, it wasn't as good as it is right now. So they understood SEC brand football. And then when they got here, they didn't know they were going to be in the SEC. But the thing that Sarkeesian said is like, hey, eventually, if we get out of the Big 12, we got to face an SEC team, right? So let's go ahead and build it up. So they built up the offensive line. They were able to build up the defensive line as well. Uh, and then we saw that this was a team that, you know, you know, when Steve Sarkeesian said, hey, they had the best win in college football in the 2023 season, it's hard to argue against going into Tuscaloosa and beating that team by double digits. And so the way that Texas has been playing, the, having the ability to get the quarterback when you were healthy, uh, get Xavier Worthy, one of the top receivers in the country, get him healthy as well. Jatavian Sanders was reviewed as the second best tight end in the country. Uh, he had been playing with a high ankle sprain. Get him healthy as well. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good feelings about Texas. And, and don't forget, this game is going to be in New Orleans. It's going to be in Texas backyard. Yeah. You know, this, this is a Southern game. You know, you're, you're really, uh, you're, you're going in there. And the next two games, I only were talking New Orleans, we're talking Houston. So when you start talking about home field advantages, even though Washer, Washington may be the higher seed, they will be outnumbered uh, when they get there. It's for the sugar bowl. So uh, a story underneath the, the surface storyline here, Anwar Richardson, our guest from orange bloods. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh, before Michigan has been on this run of college football playoff appearances, he's on the hot seat. He's got to prove it. Mm-hmm. Sarkeesian, on, on a hot seat meter, where was it coming into this season? And where is it now? And if he wins the title, what does that mean for him and his legacy at Texas, given where it was four and a half months ago? Well, you're 100% right to what you said. Don't forget just a couple of years ago, Jim Harbaugh, they made him take a pay reduction. Right. Okay. So that like you talk about hot seat, they're like, hey, we're just gonna cut your salary. Like he, that's that's it, usually when that happens. We, you guys and I, we work in the corporate world. That's usually like, hey, we would like for you to quit, right? When, you know, that's that's usually, but that didn't happen. So we talk about pay reduction to now 
all of a sudden, you know, he they love him because of the wins that are coming. Sarkeesian wasn't like that at all. I think they were very patient. The powers that be that hired him wanted to kind of be able to see this thing through. They believed in him. They believed in the process. He was a likable person, a little bit more likable than Tom Herman was, you know, and that helps out a lot. But Tom Herman wasn't as liked by that by the administration. He was Steve Sarkeesian's very well liked. Can't, I, listen, I've known people who were with him in the NFL years ago, first step. We'll tell you, I haven't heard anyone say a bad thing about the guy. So he's very likable. He's very relatable. I don't think he'd had much of a hot seat going in. I felt like the SEC next year would have been the quote unquote hot seat for him. But right now, I mean, he's playing with house money at this moment. I think the, the hope was, hey, get this team to the Big 12 title, compete, hopefully win it. Now that he's able to win it, anything he does after this is a bonus. If he does win it, if you look at his salary, he's one of the lower paid coaches of all coaches at this point. And they, look, he had to come in on the low based on the history, right? It just the history was there. And they said, OK, we're going to give you a shot at this job, but we're not going to pay you the way we pay a Lincoln Raleigh. We're not going to pay you the way that we pay a Chip Kelly. We're not. You're going to prove it. Well, you go out there and you win it all. Now, all of a sudden, you and your agent, you go back to the table and say, OK, we proved it show us our money. And that's when you have to probably go ahead and load the Brinks truck or Venmo or whatever they do nowadays, cash app, whatever it is. And you're going to have to pay this man. And, and as one of the more elite guys in Texas house, obviously has the ability to do that. Is Texas back is one of those things that floats around college football at all times. I know it's ESPN with the promos of this playoff, even saying, you know, the one team is back and talking about Texas is back. Curious from a Texas perspective, because the rest of America has a lot of fun with it, and I will definitively say now in, in the playoff, Texas is definitely back. Do Longhorn fans have fun with that as well, or are they mm -hmm. happy to see that question go away for a little while when people talk about Texas being back or not? Well, I would say it's a, it's a kind of a two-part thing, right? They're, they're back to a certain degree when we start talking about relevancy. See, you and I, all of us, right, we're a little bit older. So we grew up with Texas being here, right? And that's that's what we know. But it's been 14 years since that 2009 season with Colt McCoy versus Alabama. So we're talking about a generation of recruits who haven't really seen Texas be the Texas that all of us grew up and seeing. You know, when we start talking about what happened in 2005 season, we're talking about 18 years ago. You modern day recruits weren't born. You know what I'm saying? Like they they weren't here. Like so, what they've seen is they've seen Georgia be successful. They've seen Alabama be successful. They've seen LSU taste some success. They've seen Ohio State be successful. They've heard about Texas, but it's the same way that they've probably heard about Nebraska, where they, what they used to be with Tommy Frazier at one point, right? It's just something that as the old folks talk about. So for Texas, it's it's probably back to being relevant from on the field, not Texas makes all the money that's out there. Not that Texas can do stadium renovations, not that Texas is rich or any of these other things or being a fine educational institution, but it's more about Texas being back on the football field and showing a, a new generation that literally my kids, your kids have never seen Texas. They don't, the Vince Young thing 
I mean, you you might as well tell them, you know, a, a fable about something else that <laughs> because they, they don't necessarily they, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't resonate to them. It resonates to us. It doesn't resonate to them. So Texas being back, I think it's like I said, it's a twofold thing. They're, they're probably back to being relevant. Time will tell because they got still got to go into SEC next year and do it week in and week out. And so, you know, being able to get up for Alabama for one week, that's great. But being able to do Alabama or Georgia, then, you know, Old Miss and then LSU and then Texas A&M and, you know, that go through that gauntlet. They do it again next year. I, can, I think you could safely say they're back. What matchup do you feel like worries them the most against Washington? Oh, Penix versus their pass defense. I mean, the, the Texas pass defense has not been good at all this season. I don't have the rankings in front of me, uh, but it's somewhere somewhere between the 90s and or 100s or so as far as that pass defense. Them being able to max protect, if Washington is going to max protect and give Penix time to throw against that secondary, that definitely is a, a, a huge worry, you know, for them. Uh, they lost one guy by the name of Jalen Catalan, a safety. He decided to go into the transfer portal. Uh, Derek Williams, who was another freshman safety, who's played a lot for them. He's going to serve a first-half suspension because he got ejected for targeting in the Big 12 championship game. And so they, it, it, they that that is the big worry is, hey, if Penix – can get has time against the secondary, then he could do a lot of damage. Big 12 fan base. If Texas advances past Washington, because I think the answer would be Washington. Rest of the mm -hmm. Big 12, are they pulling for Bama and or Michigan, or are they pulling for Texas? Oh, they're not pulling for Texas. <laughs> that's a, so they'll pull that's, for Bama. It, or, they they or will Michigan. pull for Bama. They will pull for Bama. The Big 12 has made it very clear. And it's, it's the unfortunate misstep that I think Brett Yormark made before the season. Because Brett Yormark, who's done everything so great since he took over, he's the first person, really the, the, the person, the commissioner that got ahead of the TV deals to make sure that the Big 12 survived. Like, remember, there was a time where people were talking about the Big 12 having to fold into the pack. And then right. all of a sudden, he was able to get the TV done, done, deal done first. And then all of a sudden, they're the ones that ended up being on top. So he's done so many great things for that conference. But when you go into Lubbock before the season and you let it be known that, hey, I want you to beat one of my member schools, you basically let everybody know, hey, you want Texas to lose. And that's why when Texas was, was uh, won, and they claimed the Big 12 championship, that's why the fans were booing him relentlessly when they were on the podium. And that's why the fans were chanting SEC, SEC, SEC. It wasn't because they were, quote, unquote, proud to be in the SEC, but they just knew that he didn't like them. So the Big 12 has made it be clear that they're not necessarily trying to attach themselves to Texas's success because you let it be known that you were wanting them to lose. Again, a bad mistake because now this could have been a, a thing where Brett Yormark and the Big 12 say, hey, TCU last year, Texas this year, look how powerful of a conference it is. And instead of embracing them, you made them kind of into the villains that were leaving the, the conference that were, you know, the ones that are, are banning them. And so it's kind of hard to claim it. You know, it's like you can't if you, you get divorced. You can't necessarily claim your ex-wife's success at that point, right? right you're just yeah. kind of like yeah. you just got to let that be, and that's kind of where we're at with that. It's just a fascinating dilemma for them because they're going to. You're saying the Big Twelve is chanting SEC matched up against Texas, who's bolting for the SEC. If it's Bama, it's just 
that's a tough spot. And, and they would also be cheering for Michigan, where I don't know how the uh, rest of the country's uh, on board with what it's Michigan's It's not doing. anti-SEC as much as is anti-Texas. Right. Not only yes. their, not well, only their beef right. is with the SEC, their beef is with Texas. That's right. Uh, yes, yes. The, the feeling that Texas, you know, abandoned them. They think they're better than everybody, blah, blah, blah. And so, yes, it's you You think you're better you're going to the SEC. We don't like you. And so Texas has taken this you know, us versus them mentality, um, you know, th- throughout the entire season. Oh, well, Richardson has been our guest, Orange Bloods, uh, the go-to source for Longhorns coverage. Thank you for the time yet again, man. We'll be reaching out as the uh, kickoff nears in what feels like three months from now. And uh, we will uh, we'll continue to break down the matchups. You guys take care anytime. Yeah, Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough spot. Especially for your mark, who's... I, I, I mean, I, I, by the way, I, your mark's awesome. I, I love yeah, his blunt and I, response, I, and I would be rooting against them too if I'm the rest right. of the conference. I also like the fact that he said he doesn't like what's happened to the Pac-12. Yeah, and he basically came back and said, "I, I always felt consolidation was going to make us the strongest." He was the one that wanted to consolidate and bring things together with the Pac-12 to form their own super conference. And when George Klyavikov said no, he said, "All right, well, we're going to go do our own thing. We're going to be better what they had at to do. it." And then they started taking teams from the Pac-12, and here we are with no no Pac-12 remaining. Yeah. So I like those comments from him also. But man, it's a tough pill to swallow. Whenever every the, the perfect storm has happened, Texas is in the playoff, and well, well, just do what everyone else should be doing and root for Washington. Well, not yeah. Texas fans, but you know, yeah, if do Washington whatever you need wins, to do. root for Washington. Uh, there's a lot of NFL fan bases rooting for backup quarterbacks. We've got the injury notes and much more straight ahead right here on Hot Mike. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Chad, right now, 16 teams across the NFL are below 500. That's the status of the National Football League it's, right now. Uh, it's exactly what the league wants, right? Half the league uh, at 500 or better, the other half below 500, right down the middle, evenly split. Problem yep. with the league right now is that the offense versus defense is not evenly split. This no. is a defensive-dominated league, and that's never what they really want. We'll get to the injury report right now, but, but keep in mind, even Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has not thrown for 300 yards in six straight games. That's the longest drought of his career. For instance, it's not on him, all on him. I mean, he was losing his mind when that game went final also. Yeah. We had never seen that from him. Completely lost it. We'll find out what the what they're looking at. They're looking into Mahomes' uh, post-game comments. They're, of course, Andy Reid's popping off. He's going to be fine. I want to see what happens to Mahomes. They, they, I mean, they're they, good for them. Pop off if you want to. Yeah, they, if you want to pay the fine, do uh, it. Right, but I want to see what the fine's going to be for the player, not the coach. Coaches don't say anything about officiating normally, unless you're just willing to take the ten grand fine or whatever it ends up being. <laughs> I did like it when Mahomes said, "I still hope they play that play during the reel for Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame induction, <laughs> that they don't take that off, that they they play it to show his greatness." Um, Justin Jefferson is a great receiver. He's not great this year. He's 
missed time due to injury. And then, well, they call some passes hospital balls. There was one yesterday, legitimately one. Uh, Dobbs thrown across the middle of Jefferson that sent him to the hospital. Uh, a shot over the middle. Um, the good news is he's not expected to miss time. He could play this upcoming week uh, for the Vikings within that offense. So went to the medical tent, then to the emergency room uh, to evaluate his chest injury. Does not appear to be anything serious or long-term. That is uh, really good news to the Vikings. Great news. C.J. Stroud left the game with a concussion for Houston in their awful performance, an awful loss to the New York Jets. By the way, I feel like the Vikings, going back to them, will eventually have to go back to Dobbs again. Yes. I could see a scenario where either Mullins He's gets knocked in. out of a game or he really struggles one game, and just to try to spark, they go back to Dobbs for something. Uh, Justin Herbert, the, the season for the Chargers gets worse and worse. He has a, a finger injury in his throwing hand. Uh, reportedly fractured his, his right ring finger against the Broncos on Sunday, then missed the more to the latter half of the game at Easton Stick in the game. I think Justin Herbert should wait to play for his next head coach. That, that should be the plan now. Let's go ahead and sit out the rest of this month. Let's get ready for the next Chargers head coach that will not be Brandon Staley. Yeah, and you have Josh Jacobs who left the game. He was heavily uh, limping around. He's, you know, he's got a knee issue. He's suffering a knee issue. So there's that as well for, for the Raiders. I'd had a lot of issues playing offense in that game. It is crazy to me that they have the, the NFL has not had a game finished 0-0 in regulation since 1940. That would have been the first ever game to go to an overtime scoreless <laughs> because in 1940 it ended in a tie. There was no overtime. This could too, right? Can't you end in a 0-0 tie? It could have ended after overtime, but I'm saying it would have been the first ever overtime game played 0-0 oh. ever. But isn't that crazy? I feel like there would have been at least one awful weather game where no one would have scored yeah. and it would have ended in regulation 0-0. Yeah, the closest I think we've been is it was 3-3 last year, Jets-Patriots, in the game, uh, the post game where Zach Wilson wouldn't say that it was on the offense that let the defense down. They ended up, because they, they allowed a punt return. It wasn't the defense allowed three points to the Patriots and lost because they could not go score more than three points against the Patriots. That was a punt return for a touchdown that made it 10-3 yeah, final. I, I understand why it's very rare that that would ever happen. I was shocked that it's that no game has ever gone to overtime yeah, scoreless I mean, in the history of the NFL. Man, uh, that's... yeah. By and the way, that go, record stays intact because of Nick Mullins getting the offense in field goal range to kick a field goal and win it. Uh, first three-nothing three, three nothing game, though, since November 26, 2007. I was expected to be a lot later than that. And that was against uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh beat Miami 3 nothing, November 26, 2007. It's the third game in the last 40 years that we've seen a 3-0 game. Maybe that was the game that Big Ben actually had the athleticism of Joe Flacco. Or knocked out of the game, maybe. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's what the poster on our, our chat was saying. Uh, plenty of teams with some issues. It's time for NFL Rapid Fire. Davey Hudson. Guys, so going back to the well on this segment now – all the teams that are being mentioned are in playoff contention. I thought that would make things a little bit more interesting. Sure. But as we go through this, I know it can be hard, but I need a succinct, succinct, there we go, two to three sentence answer for these. And we're going to start off with where we started the show, and that's the eight and five Kansas City Chiefs. I'll start. It's a team coming to grips with the fact that they're not great. 
And I think that's very difficult for, for the t- players on that Kansas City team because it's been a great franchise, multiple Super Bowls won, and I don't think they're going to take this laying down, Hutton. But to me, that, that sums it up for them is you're seeing the frustration boil over. You're seeing them now placing blame on uh, refs and everyone else. The fact that their offense just hasn't been good enough. No. No, I mentioned the 300-plus uh, passing yards. I haven't seen that from Mahomes now in six straight. Uh, for me, it's Arrowhead is human. In a league where home field advantage does not matter, uh, it does matter for a few stadiums. Arrowhead is no longer a true home field advantage for this Kansas City Chiefs franchise. Okay, guys. And then uh, speaking of Arrowhead, the Buffalo Bills are able to go in there, get the win. We currently have six teams in the AFC with a 7-6 and six record. So what are your thoughts on the Bills? So I'll start. That that was maybe the most important win for Sean McDermott in his tenure. That's not a playoff victory. Regular season. The dude's under fire for making a terrible analogy about 9-11 four years ago. Uh, weird how that pops up when the team's 6-6 six and six and underachieving. And not when they're 7-6. and six. Yeah. But now th- this was an important week because facing some heat for that, he said he apologized to the team immediately, had to apologize again this week. Fans aren't happy with the way this season has gone. I still don't think Bills fans want Sean McDermott out or anything. And I think most Bills fans got mad at, at the reporter for writing about it. More so, they did their head coach for saying it. But that was an important win for them to go to Arrowhead and, and get above 500, especially considering everything going on around the team this week. Yeah, and I would say, uh, just, a, just a quick sentence, they won a close game. If you go through their, their recent losses, they've – Lost to the Patriots, 29-25. Uh, they lose to, of course, the Jets early in the season in a close close game. They lose to the Broncos, 24-22. They lose to the Bengals, 24-18. That's another thing here is they, they won a close game on the road and against a team that has normally made the plays and they haven't turned it over. All right, guys, moving right along. And we have a team that's sitting in eight and five. Didn't expect that, but the Cleveland Browns. Joe Flacco is elite as a backup quarterback coming off his couch to a team with a great defense. End of sentence. Kings of the North. Kings of the AFC North in Cleveland. Uh, Because of their defense, their defense shows up week in and week out in a league that we have complained about offensively for the last couple of months. The trend is defense. Cleveland's sets the, sets the trend. They're the fashion statement. All right, guys. A team that has had some highs and some lows coming off a low, but the 7-6 and six Houston Texans. They're a year too soon. Uh, losing to Zach Wilson. Awful. Losing Stroud to a concussion. That is detrimental to your playoff hopes. And they're in a stretch now where they've got to stack wins. This is one that will keep them out of the postseason. That was the worst loss of a season for a team in playoff position or consideration coming in. That was just the worst Sunday overall. The way they lost, it wasn't close to allow Zach Wilson to do that and to have their star yeah. rookie quarterback injured. That that was abs- – I'm not over-speaking. That was the worst. The worst possible outcome for the Texans. You can just forfeit at that point before you play if you knew that outcome. Yeah, you look at this team going back even further. Their one loss 
or the the one win for the Panthers came against the Texans. So yeah, the Jets and the Panthers, two of those games are going to look back at the end of the year, and it's really going to be one of those what if moments. But guys, uh, the Vikings. No, you were just talking about them, but what was your takeaway from Minnesota? At seven and six, they they were underachievers early with how they started the season, and now they are an unlucky late because they lose Kirk Cousins for the season with the Achilles. Justin Jefferson gets back from injury, finally suits up, and then takes the shot over the middle that sends him to the hospital. And they were trying to make a run, Chad, with the backup quarterbacks. They went back to Dobbs after a hot start in two games. Unlucky late based on the injuries because if Cousins is there, they're a postseason team based on how their roster is constructed. Can Nick Mullins be Joe Flacco for a team with a really good defense? I love what the Vikings have done defensively. That's what's kind of overshadowed by their problems on offense with trying to sort out the quarterback position, trying to sort through the injury to Justin Jefferson. Can Mullins be a guy that can be serviceable to keep them in the thick of it? I don't think so. They're, to me, they're the third team in the, the NFC North. So this whole thing is crumbling for them at this they're point. They're headed to Cincinnati this week. Guys, don't look now, but the Denver Broncos have a winning record. What is your take on the team currently at 7-6? and six? I can't, Sean, Go ahead. I can't believe I'm saying this, and I'll be very quick on this one. The Denver Broncos are a contender to win the AFC West. That shocks me, based on the way this thing started, and even what we thought coming into the season. One Sean, game back. Sean Payton is coach of the year. That's all I need to say, Davey. Go ahead. Wow. All right, guys. Well, uh, just took D'Amico Ryan's spot. Let's go down to the NFC South. Tampa Bay Bucks six and seven, but they're leading the division. Who cares? Irrelevant. I, the, honestly, that's my one thought on Tampa Bay Bucks. Move right along. I, no one cares they're about that to division. Dallas or Philly. That's round. I, I I would be fine not seeing another second of a Tampa Bay Bucks game the rest of the year. Or the division next. The entire division is under five hundred. Yeah, you're you're kind of on it. I'm coming up. Uh, it's a team that's like could potentially face them in the first round of the playoffs. But the uh, Dallas Cowboys sitting at ten and three, currently atop the NFC East. Home field advantage is how I describe Dallas. They don't lose in Texas. Philly needs to win the division because Dallas has not lost a home game in 15 straight kickoffs there. Plus, Dak Prescott has won his last five starts at home against Philadelphia. Two sentences. Dak is elite right now. Micah Parsons is an absolute wrecking ball. And those two guys may win them a Super Bowl. That's what I see with the Dallas Cowboys. And how is it every time Jerry Jones, they show him celebrating in his luxury box? When he's talking, it looks like if you read his mouth, he's saying, how about them Cowboys, even when he's not? Just the way his mouth moves. Last night they scored a touchdown. He's like, <laughs> it looks like he's telling everybody, how about them Cowboys? I don't know if he is or not, but every time I see him, I think that's what he's saying. It's muscle memory at this point. Yep. And then, guys, on the losing end of that matchup last night, the now 10-3 and Philadelphia Eagles. Remember how we described the San Francisco 49ers in their three-game skid. I'll leave it at that. I think it's a team that maybe they needed this, not a reset, but to be rejuvenated a little bit. I'm ultimately, like, I'm not worried about them, but there's a little bit of mini soul-searching that can well, go on right now as they get ready for the end of yeah. the season and playoff push. Now's the time to have that bit of rejuvenation and I think this is a group of guys that's going to find that. I, I don't see them wilting because they've played poorly a couple weeks. We discussed it last week. I'm going to bring it back up. But should there have been more credence taken to David Carr's words about Jalen Hurts no. and his injuries? No. 
because they went through a stretch where the NFL scheduling did them no favors. Uh, if you want to rest Jalen Hurts, their, their come-to-Jesus moment, whatever, can be right here. This could be the stretch we would circle in May because they went through a stretch of playing the Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bills, two of the three on the road, and they won all three. And then they, on a short rest, turned around by the San Francisco 49ers on 10 days rest. Yeah, the Bills at home. Uh, but lost. Yeah, the other two. Then they faced the Cowboys, who are also coming off of 10 days rest, and they finished the season against the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. So if you want to rest your quarterback, rest him during the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants, or just win the division, because Dallas is going to have a tougher stretch. Can Marcus Mariota win those three games? That would be my question. Not going to have to, because no, Jalen Hurts can. Play. Jalen Hurts can play and win, and that team is, again, uh, you don't hear the talking heads yelling at a screen saying, we told you Brock Purdy's not elite, and now all of a sudden Philadelphia's got problems. The 49ers went through this too. They didn't bench their quarterback. The Eagles are going to be okay. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Let's get fired up. Final hour straight Big ahead. hour coming Pop up, everybody. Big hour. Up.